So I wanted to share a little bit about what the Lord's been doing uh, with my wife and I's ministry with Village Missions the past year. And I thought, what better than just to walk through and show some pictures? So this was our, us last year, and when I preached last, we had just been placed in Audubon, Iowa, and we were able to share that. And then presently, um, you see there's a little one, and yeah, my wife and I had our little girl on May 15th, and so that's been a blessing to us. And we're still in Audubon, Iowa, and then here's some photos of what has been going on in the church. This is our first Sunday, and all, that, all the people that you see there is about the size of our congregation, as it was then. And I've been making the joke that two people were really happy when we were there. And then as soon as, uh, when we got there, they had started Awana. So Awana is kind of this kids program geared towards um, kids learning about scripture and memorizing and full of fun activities and games and stories. So we helped out with that right away. And that Awana transitioned um, at the beginning of the year into family fellowship nights. Basically, we wanted to expand the scope of who we were ministering to because we had teenagers, we had um, our senior saints, we had younger kids, and this was kind of an opportunity for all of us to be together as we went through, uh, we walked through the book of Genesis. And obviously you can see that there's some youth there. Um, that when we first got there, the church was kind of made up of 60 and older. And that was kind of the constituents. And, and through family fellowship nights in Awana, we ended up having some families start coming. Particularly this one family, they had about uh, 11 kids. And so you can imagine, you have 12, you know, senior saints, and then you bring in this family, has 11 kids. It changes that dynamic of Sunday morning. And so oftentimes, while I'm preaching, kids will be running around or getting up or conversations or screaming. So if that happens, know that I have learned to preach through a lot. And so I'll be okay. Your neighbor might not. But that's a little picture of Dominic. He's also very happy. Uh, and so that was just kind of family Sundays, almost. We're in the process of um, developing a nursery right now, which has been... Uh, really exciting, but also challenging at times, because there's a lot that goes into that, and volunteers. Um, recently, I started leading some live music on the guitar, and uh, before that, this happened in July, we've been leading our weekly worship, um, live music. Before that, we were just listening uh, off of songs off YouTube, and so for about seven months, you know, all our songs would be off YouTube. And so it was such a joy to be able to have that live music and hear people's voices. Um, it just really is an emotional time for me because it's, it's very special and it's allowed other people to kind of step in and use their gifts as we gain more members and opportunities. And then uh, recently, we, uh, through the summer, we've been doing a Bible study on the book of Ruth, teaching people in our congregation what does it look like to study this Bible, to focus on observations, interpretations, application. What does it look like to study narrative? Uh, it's a little different than studying an epistle. And so that was a really good time. And then a little bit about what's been happening in the community. So my role as a pastor is I'm pastoring the church with my two elders, but also I'm heavily involved in the community. I got kind of one foot in both doors, uh, so to speak. And a little bit about what's been happening is... Uh, I routinely go to the care centers or nursing homes, um, both in the town south of me, about 10 miles, and then also in Audubon. And so that's about once a month, and I lead a kind of a 
uh, they call it Vespers, but it's basically a Sunday service for individuals who can't get out. And, uh, and then on, the, on your right, uh, there's a Bible study, and we see uh, my friends Paul, Steve, Herbert, and Joyce, and uh, Dave, and we've been going through the book of Romans on Tuesday nights. So that's a little window into what we've been doing. I um, may not have been in the community. And then on the other side of the spectrum, this is, we've been involved with what is called FCW. It's a fellowship of Christian wheelers, and it's with uh, high schoolers. And it's a Christian group that's focused on encouraging high schoolers who know about Jesus to live out their faith. And um, this picture is from after we watched a, a movie at the local theater, uh, Jesus Revolution. Sure, some of you have seen that, and we just had 20 or 30 youth come over to our place for ice cream and games. Uh, so a lot of that incarnational community, day-to-day interaction with others and, and just walking through the open doors is, I would say, a lot of what I do. And then here we see uh, my family. Maple's telling us how much she grew that month, um, just a little bit. And uh, we're, we're sporting our Audubon gear. Uh, Audubon is very big on sports. High school sports, a lot of the athletes play four to five sports, uh, which I think is just crazy. And so that's the way to meet people. You go to a ball game, you go to a softball game, basketball game, you sit next to someone and talk with them, get to know them. And so that's kind of one of the ways we've been trying to outreach and uh, get to know people in the community. Also, uh, speaking of graduation or, you know, high school students, I was able to speak at the graduation um, in... May. And so we graduated on 40 students, and just to share with them a little bit about God as a rock, uh, a refuge, and such a changeable and moldable time in their lives, and how God can be the one that you rest on. And then this is me out uh, in the field, helping uh, one of my parishioners trim some fence lines. So Audubon is a very big agricultural community. Um, And so just, I don't know what my job title is, but uh, you know, I'm just, wherever people are in the community, I'm going to be beside them and, and look for opportunities to serve and, and encourage them and serve the Lord alongside them. So, and then also, um, we started what was called a Youth Sunday. So we don't have a youth group at all. Uh, but youth started coming to our church, and we were like, how do we minister to all these different age dynamics, demographics that have been started coming? Because we don't just have adults, we have young kids we have youth, and, and this was kind of the, one of the ways that we could do that. So on the first Sunday of every month after church, we have all the youth come over and have a potluck and, um, you know, talk with them, play some games, and uh, use the, I got a smoker, uh, Weber Smoky Mountain, so I've been making good use of that. And then just hospitality in general, uh, just having people over, making food and, and crossing paths, and because that's where the real ministry happens, you know, and Dining room tables, not, a, not, always, not always Sunday morning. It's uh, prayers in the grocery store or on the field. And that's super special. And I'm super thankful to have that opportunity. And um, it's, it's really a blessing. And then there's a little picture of our little girl and how our life's been changing. So that's my wife. And we see the contrast between Maple when she's happy and then she just started frowning. And I was like, you know, trying to figure out why she's frowning. Is it she just got woken up from a nap, or do we have a future Bears fan in our midst? And so, you know, maybe she was unhappy with the Packer pillow. But um, opening it's the, the first. But, 
And part of you know, having a little one is that we've been reading a lot of books. Um, and one of the books we ran into was The Cool Bean. And it tells about a story about this bean. Uh, we'll call him Beanie. He has a little blue bow tie. He has four little sprigs of hair. And he's not the most social or outgoing person. But he's trying to, you know, be cool at school. And he runs into these uh, other beans. And they are some cool beans. I mean, they got the sunglasses. One is really good at playing guitar. Maybe put Kirk to shame. You know, he's a cool, cool bean. And then there's one that is so good at athletics, basketball. He can jump really high. And our friend, little bean, cannot do any of that. He can't play guitar super well. He can't jump really high. And then there's this third cool bean. And she can draw the best superheroes. And little bean can't do that either. And he comes to the conclusion that he is an uncool bean. I think for many of us, we have felt that when we look at certain Christians in our midst and we think, oh man, if Kirk is so awesome, he can play the guitar super well. Oh, I wish I could craft a sermon like Luke or, or be so joyful and, and uh, you know, smiley like our greeters here. And, and you see that as you put that on a pedestal and that, that's what it is to use gifts. And then you look at yourself and you're like, yeah, I'm an uncool being an uncool Christian because I don't have those giftings. What we'll see today is that God uses all sorts of giftings and talents for his glory, and all are valuable and important to him. He doesn't just use the Peters, the Pauls, the Stevens, but he also uses the, the Jethros, the Ananiases, and as we'll see today, he also uses the Tabithas. So we'll see a few things. We'll see that our gifts are intended to bless others. And secondly, we'll see that as we use our gifts, God uses our, life change happens when believers use their gifts for God's glory. So if you'll turn in your texts or Bibles or scroll, um, or you can read it on the screen. We've got a couple different options this morning. We'll be in Acts 9 verse 36 through 43. Word of the Lord. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room, since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints 
and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout the whole region of Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa many days with one called Simon, a tanner. Our text this morning focuses on this lady named Tabitha. But more broadly, it focuses on how the gospel ministry is expanding outward from Jerusalem. And we see that um, in Acts 1.8, that the, the gospel would go from Jerusalem into the land of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we see this happening consecutively throughout the book of Acts. Recall in Acts 2, Peter has that famous sermon in Jerusalem. And the Lord added to their number daily who were being saved. And from that, you see Stephen in Acts 7 who proclaims his faithfulness and and proclaims that Jesus is the Christ. And because of his testimony, he is stoned to death, but the Lord uses it for good. Because of that persecution in Jerusalem, believers begin fleeing to Judea, Samaria. They move outward. And as you saw last week, Saul, who God uses and reveals himself to, and he becomes Paul through the ministry of Ananias, helping him. And we circle back around to Peter, who, is in, uh, who has left Jerusalem and is in this town called Lydda, which is 10 miles around, uh, away from Joppa. He's in Gentile towns and villages. And these disciples, after Tabitha, passes away, rush to him and say, please come. Come to Joppa. And so he leaves and goes to Joppa. And we'll see today that the Lord doesn't just use the Peters, Pauls, but he also uses the Tabithas. Our gifts and talents are intended to bless others. Our gifts and talents are intended to to bless others. A little bit about Tabitha, we see in verse 1 that she is full, characterized as being full of good works and acts of charity. Now, she wasn't just someone who did a good work every once in a while or every once in a blue moon, but she did, that was the main thing which characterized her. She was full of good works and acts of charity. And we see later on This recipients of these acts of charity. They are widows. She would not only make shirts for people, but she would likely give the shirt off her back for people. Caring hearts, serving. After she dies, Peter is sent for. And Peter brings, and Peter arrives at this this house where she is in the upper room. And he's likely winded, right? He's just trekked 10 miles and he's done that in a hurry. And so can you picture the scene? He comes, maybe he's having a little heavy breathing and he opens the door into this room. And as his light, his eyes adjust to the the darkness in the room, the lack of light, he sees in one corner Tabitha and her lifeless body. And huddled around her are these widows, grieving, mourning. And as Peter walks closer to Tabitha, you have these widows coming to Peter. And they're showing 
him their Tabitha t-shirts, what she made for them. Maybe he felt the texture of the shirt. Maybe he was observing the colors. And oftentimes, as people in grief and they, and they share these physical objects, it often comes with stories, doesn't it? Stories about how possibly when a widow was going through a difficult time, maybe lost her husband, and Dorcas, Tabitha, made a blanket for her to keep her warm. Maybe a widow shared of how she was wearing this dress, long sleeve dress, that Tabitha had made for her during the heart of winter, when she didn't have the financial means to keep warm herself. Or maybe another widow was sharing about how Tabitha made a warm meal for her on a cold day, or welcomed her into a house when she didn't have a home of her own. After all, Tabitha is a person full of good works and acts of charity. That word acts of charity is one word in Greek, and it, it occurs again when describing Cornelius, as he's described as one who feared God with his household, gave alms generously. So we get this idea that Tabitha is not only using her gifts, but also using the means by which she's been given by God to bless others. And notice the people that Tabitha is focusing on. Widows. An often overlooked and marginalized group, not only in society, but also in the early church. If you'll remember, in Acts 6, verse 1, as the church is increasing, these acts of hospitality and service begin falling through the cracks. Chapter, one, verse, or chapter 6, verse 1, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Here we see that Tabitha seems to have a heart for these overlooked people, not only in society, but in the church, early church. She recognizes that God has gifted her she has ability to sew t-shirts and clothes, make clothes for people. She recognizes how God has gifted her. And not only that, she sees a need. Widows in that day were a vulnerable population, right? They've lost a spouse. There's economic hardships that would have been, had to be endured. And she not only used her gifts, but also her means to help them. I want to ask the question, how is God gifted you? What sort of hobbies or talents or things do you enjoy that has come from God? And how might you use those gifts to bless others? You see, God has given each one of us gifts that we might bless others. But why bless others with our gifts? Why not just keep them to ourselves? Well, we see kind of the reason for why we are to use our gifts in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, which says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith 
and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. Here we see kind of a, um, a bullet list of, of various gifts. And, and notice the purpose of those gifts. It's not exhaustive. It includes other gifts as well, I would think. And notice what they're for, to build up the church, to encourage fellow believers for a purpose, that we all may attain the fullness and likeness of Christ, that we become more and more in his image and likeness. We see such a thing take place as the story continues, as Tabitha uses her gifts and God Fills in the rest. Main point two. Main life change happens when believers use their gifts for God's glory. After Tabitha dies, the disciples take her into this upper room after washing her. Um, that's a little abnormal because not the washing part, but this upper room, and which begs the question, why are they doing this when the normal kind of uh, layout of things would have been to bury her? Perhaps Tabitha was so well-known in the community that they need more time for people to say their goodbyes, to mourn the loss. Another, I think, more plausible way to think about it is that the disciples expected something miraculous to occur. Think about where this story takes place in the book of Acts. We've already seen the Holy Spirit do some amazing things. Tongues, speak in tongues, in Acts 2. And these disciples would have been familiar with Jesus' ministry of how he raised people from the dead. Think of John 11 and Lazarus. Think of the widow's son in Luke 6. Or Jairus' daughter being rose, risen from the dead in Luke 7. These disciples would have been familiar with these stories. That's mine. <laughs> Almost done, Maple. And so it's not too far-fetched to realize why they sent for Peter to come. They believe that God could do something. And he does, right? She comes back to life. Uh, I ran across this song a couple months ago. It's by this band named Judah. Good name. And it's called Anything is Possible. It's kind of upbeat, a little bit, uh, you know, rhymey. I enjoy it. But it says this, anything is possible. When it seems improbable, that's when he is unstoppable. In his name, any grave is robable. Unthinkable, unreachable, unbelievable, unpreachable. That's just who he is. That's just who he is. I love that line, any grave is robable. What beauty in those words that these disciples believe that God could raise someone from the dead. We see in verse 40, and Peter knelt down after ushering out the widows. And Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And notice what Peter does. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout the whole land of Joppa. 
Can you imagine what that scene would have been like? Peter walks in, ushers everyone out, and in a few moments, he leads Tabitha, who was dead and gone, and presents them to these widows, to these believers, as alive and well. Can you imagine the sound of pure joy from these widows? Can you imagine the facial expressions? Can you see it? A few weeks ago, something uh, similar joy was experienced by my friends and I. We go on a camping trip every, uh, every July, and there were two cars, and, and one car broke down. Ironically, it broke down at a, a towing place, a towing and ice cream place. Yeah. So I don't know what business deal went on there to combine those two, but it, it was there. Um, and it turns out the car wouldn't start up, and the battery was fine. It was, happened to be the starter. And we're like, oh, man, you know, it's a Saturday afternoon. We're hundreds of miles from our homes, and there's no mechanic shops open until Monday. We all got to be back. Uh, we don't have the right tools. None of us are mechanics. And so what are we going to do? Well, we pick up a new starter at O'Reilly, and... Mind you that we're all kind of on the way to the pool, and so we're in swim attire somewhat, and we're like, oh, you know, I guess we'll have to watch a few YouTube videos on how to replace a starter, and obviously after you do that, you're pretty professional. Um, and uh, after an hour and a half later, don't ask us how it took us that long, <laughs> uh, it's not that hard to replace a starter, we found out, but it's pretty tricky as far as getting the bolts, that's too much information. And we get the starter out, we get the new one in, and all of us are like, okay, this, he's going to hop in. Dave's going to hop in to his car, and he's going to turn the key, and you're going to have that a dead battery sound, right? Or it's not going to work. We're all expecting that. And we're all thinking, of, okay, what are we going to do? We've got to get back to our families. We're miles apart. What are we going to do? And Dave hops in. He turns the key. Instead of that sound, there's a boom. The car starts up, and what you see commence is six fully grown men hooting and hollering in swim attire that's full of grease. Our hands are black, and we're hugging each other, we're high-fiving, we're jumping up and down because this car, which was once dead, is now alive. How much more so for a person, for a loved individual such as Tabitha? How much more joy and excitement would have been there? And Peter gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. We have seen Tabitha bless others through her gifts. And we see this other gift of this miracle resulting in Tabitha rising from the dead. And I think both should be seen in unison. And notice the impact which comes from this combination of the two. Many believed in the Lord. I don't think that would have happened if it wasn't for the sort of person Tabitha was. How she quietly cared for this overlooked group of people. In her sewing room, making these shirts to be worn by others. Or graciously paid for someone's housing or rent. They could stay warm. Both should be seen in tandem. This miracle 
and Tabitha's gifting and how she blessed others. When both are combined, we see the fruits of it, that many believed in the Lord, which is really the aim of our gifts. They aren't meant to be hoarded by us. They're meant to be given back to God, to be used to encourage others, to build up the body of Christ, and that others may believe in the Lord as a result of them. That's really the aim. And many believed in the Lord. It's beautiful. What I'd like to do for the next few minutes is go around the room. I know we got a talented bunch here, a lot of gifts. We've seen a couple on stage, gifts, but I know there's plenty more in this room. How has God gifted you? And maybe you know of someone else who has a gift in this sanctuary. Feel free to call them out. Hey, so-and-so has a gift of hospitality, or so-and-so has the gift of smiling. That's a gift, being happy. So what does that look like for you? So I'm just going to go this side, and then I'll go this side, and just call it out. What are, what, are the God, what are the gifts that God has given you or someone around you, next to you? Uh, let's do one more. <laughs> that was all at once. <laughs> Sorry, I was a little bit confused. Uh, yes. Encouragement. Yeah. Uh, what are some other gifts, talents? Homeschool teacher, right? Caring for kids. That's a sacrifice. Yes. What are some others? Elizabeth. Is that writing? Praying? Yeah, absolutely. No one sees those really a whole lot, but they're so important. Yeah, any other gifts? Any hobbies? I like fishing. I like woodworking. How can God use that? He can use it. Yeah. Counseling. Offering a listening ear and advice. Absolutely. What are some other gifts? Yeah. Feed people, right? Hospitality. Absolutely. That's a gift. What are some other ones? Yes, in the back, sorry. Really good cook. Great. Potlucks at your house afterwards, right? Yeah, in a couple of services, we had one that was a dog whisperer. Interesting, right? God can use that. God's gifted everyone with unique abilities. And those gifts are meant to be used to bless others, as we see with Tabitha. And that others may know him as a result of it. In conclusion, not-so-famous Tabitha understood her gifting And she saw a need, and she combined the two, and the Lord magnified it. Uh, These widows were blessed because of it. And as we saw in verse 40 through 42, that many many came to know the Lord as a result of her using her gifts. God doesn't just use the Peters, the Pauls, the Stephens. He uses the Jethros, the Ananiases, the prayer warriors, the ones who serve and tear down, 
the ones who spend all day in the kitchen cooking great food that's enjoyed in 30 minutes. The Lord uses all sorts of gifts and abilities. I encourage you to understand and find out what God has gifted you with. What has he blessed you with? And how you might use that to bless others and to magnify and glorify the Lord. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this text of just this series in general of, of singing the song of the unsung heroes. And God, there are so many of us, all of us, we're just ordinary people. And we often compare ourselves to these cool beings, these cool Christians. We have a certain gift that we admire or want, and yet we look at ourselves and recognize that God has gifted them in that way, but he's not gifted us in that way. That's not to say that we are not gifted more than we can know, that you have blessed us with so many gifts and that we are to use them to encourage one another in the faith so that we may grow into the maturity of Christ and that this world around us may come to know you as we seek to use our gifts. We praise and thank you and we ask for courage as we step out in faith. In your name I pray. Amen. God's blessing to all of you. It's been a pleasure. Oh, and if you need, can you turn me back on for a second? Okay, if you need prayer, John and, and Suzanne are present there.